Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> what is up, doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show, where we discuss a team with no use for the NBA draft, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is May 17th, 2016. Did you miss me? Are you glad I'm back? Did you need some more free audio content about a middling basketball team in your life? <laughs> I did miss everyone. It has been a, a few weeks off. Uh, we needed a break, didn't we? We need some, we need some time to, to decompose, to recalibrate our feelings and emotions as we focus on an important summer and try to forget the cap sadness that has been produced over the last few weeks because being a sports fan here in the nation's capital of the DMV produces nothing but sadness, especially when our teams are legit. I do not know why we can't have nice things, why we're unable to make the Final Four in any professional sports. If anyone has any ideas, uh, we can commiserate online, so let me know. It has been an interesting few weeks here in Wizards World uh, with Randy Whitman's uh, departure, the arrival of Scott Brooks as the new head coach, Ernie Grunfeld still employed uh, of this this franchise, and John Wall undergoing uh, knee surgery along with Kevin Durant in the KD to DC hashtag dreams slowly but slowly evaporating to zero as the Thunder are having a successful postseason. I talk about all those things and more with Rashad Mobley. We do go on some Leonsons and Grunfeld rants that you may find therapeutic. I do as well myself. It continues to rain every day here in D.C. I don't know if it's ever going to stop, but I will refrain from a minute rant of, of the weather because that's not why you're listening. So thank you everyone for your support. I really appreciate it. And here's my conversation with Rashad Mobley. Oh, oh, oh. And then by the way, uh, I want to apologize to uh, Nene. I will never make fun of your injuries ever again, uh, especially your calf because I injured mine in the Capitol Hill Classic uh, over the weekend and it effing kills. So public apology to Nene uh, that I'll never... Uh, make fun of you ever again. Uh, all right, everyone. Uh, enjoy. Rashad, what is up, man? Uh, first question, did you miss me? Have you missed me? Uh, or or, or the, the, the more important question, have, have you missed the Washington Wizards? I have. I was, I was sitting there watching the lottery, and I was trying to figure out the last time I sat and actually hoped that the Wizards won something and realized of course, I hadn't the past two years because they actually were a playoff team. So yeah, it was a little, it was a little depressing having to, having to be strung together with the minions of the NBA. But I got over it. Yeah, you know, you know, I I did need a break personally. I needed some time off of the season to decompose a little bit, uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of bad news started happening. Uh, I guess good news and bad. A lot of news per se. Uh, some of it bad or. You can interpret it as bad, but we do have a new NBA coach. Uh, Scotty Brooks is now the coach of the Washington Wizards officially. I don't know if I've had a podcast since that has been officially announced. Uh, and also, th- that means that Randy Whitman uh, has been relieved of his duties. 
right after the last game of the season, after a 41-41 season of the Wizards, which all of you are well aware. Before we get into that, Rashad, let's just talk about the playoffs, man. Uh, you know, this is an NBA podcast, and I'm sure everyone listening to this as well, again, is an NBA fan and is following this. I haven't followed the playoffs as much as intently, especially in the East, as years past because of the Wizards, uh, you know, having them be in it the last few years and go to the second round. You know, I watched some of the West, but with the injuries of the West, the first couple of rounds were just kind of bad throughout. It was like the injuries took out the West teams, that, some of the matchups I wanted to see, like the Clippers and the Warriors, and uh, and then in the East, it's just been a, just a, atrocious basketball, uh, some of these series, especially the ones that, uh, that, that Raptors-Pacers series was forever, uh, and just this, uh, this Raptors uh, series against the Heat that wrapped up. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even watch it. I mean, I followed the results and stuff, but I did not watch too much live action of those series. But I did. I have watched a lot of the West, especially the Spurs Thunder. Just your overall thoughts of the playoffs so far, man. What, 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 what's your takes? Give me the hot takes or just your perception of what's been going on. Well, first of all, speaking of injuries, Amon Shepard just took a nasty fall in his knee bent in a nasty way, so I hope he's okay. Oh, but, shit. you know, it's, it, it's frustrating because, you know, you just either you're seeing uneven matchups or you're seeing teams that you wish were at full strength. Like with Portland and, and Golden State, it was nice to see Lillard and McCollum have that kind of national following where you can see, okay, this team – this team is close to going somewhere. I mean, they only, you know, they didn't come close to beating Gold State in the series, but you can just see that they're they're on the way up. And you know, even when you're watching um, Golden State in Houston, you didn't get that feeling. It was like, okay, get these guys out of here. Oh, yeah. Same with watching the Raptors in the Heat. As we just spoke earlier, it, it wasn't the greatest of series, but I mean. Watching Miami, you realize how close they are to actually being not just a contender, but they, they can easily come out of the East. So it's a little frustrating. I don't think that Cleveland will be contested until they get to the finals. And I think that that finals is going to be, it's going to be epic because Golden State can and has beat Cleveland and the Thunder, particularly Durant and Westbrook are going to want to beat the shit out of Cleveland because of what happened the last time, I mean, they got beat so badly the last time. They got rid of James Harden, and they thought they had to retool. So, you know, I'm, I like the West, and I'm looking forward to the finals. The East is just, you know, it's, it's just sad. I mean, Cleveland is stacked, but the only team that could have beat them was injured. So it's, I've been, I attempt to watch every game, some of these 10:30 games. I will admit, I cannot make it through because I have to get up. But, you know, it's been, it's been a very underwhelming playoffs. Um, playoffs so far, so it'll get better the longer it goes. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that some of the the Blazers games, Blazers Warriors games were compelling, uh, and also the Spurs and Thunder series was incredible. But yes, you're right. I mean, I didn't really get up much for the Cavs Hawks. You know, the Hawks played them tough, and then the Cavs just seemed to have their numbers. They're now eight zero against them, and, and Cleveland just you know Cleveland just can't miss a three-point shot. It's it's unbelievable what they're shooting from the field. And if they shoot this well, you know, maybe they can give the Warriors or Thunder a run in the finals. Uh, I still think it will be the Warriors. Now, this we're taping this after uh, the Warriors beat... Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Thunder beat the Warriors last night. Uh, Russell Westbrook was 
was amazing there in the second half after not hitting a shot. I've never seen a player that could turn it on the way he can. It's pretty outstanding. You know, what, what do you think? What do you think of the first? a good point. What's that? I just you mentioned a good point about the Spurs, and what I completely forgot is yeah, I think and, that's the story of the playoffs before, right? The Spurs losing the way they did. Right, because the Spurs looked they're not quick enough in their backcourt. I mean, I think that Tony Parker is a step slow. I mean, you know, Kawhi Leonard is fine, but they, they're missing. Danny Green isn't exactly lightning fast. They need a little more quickness in their backcourt and maybe uh, either off the bench or in the starting lineup. But the thing that jumped out to me is everybody was so focused on how old Duncan got. He just completely looked over David West, who just several months ago we were just dying to bring him here to D.C., and he really... I don't know whether he just wasn't comfortable or it was the scheme or what, but he never looked comfortable. He oh, never Adam, had... Adams, Adams and Cantor were difference makers down low. They abused him up front, I thought. Oh, yeah, and he doesn't... He just... I mean, he's 35 years old, so I don't know quite what I was expecting, but I thought he was going to be a little more of a presence. I mean, the few times he, he shot that, that jumper from the free throw line extended, he still made it, but there was no... Just... He, he didn't have an impact the way he did for so many years with Indiana, and so, I, you know, maybe we dodged the bullet by not having him here. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, the the, the other thing that stood out to me, the, the two things in this playoffs that have stood out to me, especially on the West, is that you have you have Steph go down with the injury, right? And then you have the Clippers. Looks like they have a golden opportunity, and then literally the next game, Blake and Chris Paul get hurt, especially Chris Paul's injury. You know, they try to gut him out. So now you went from like, wow, the Clippers might have, you know, got a chance to go longer with this group than they have, especially Chris Paul, who hasn't, you know, is turning into what the Alex Oveshkin of the NBA, where it can't get to the conference finals. <laughs> sad. That's, that's my sad caps reference. But, you know, and like, here was set up, and then all of a sudden, 24 hours later, you got both those guys out, and now you got the Blazers, you know, giving, giving the Warriors a run, and then Steph comes back and does the magical run. But the other one that really stands out, dude, is that after the Spurs kicked the shit out of Thunder that game one. I mean, it was over. I turned on and on. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what, they scored 40 points in the second quarter or something crazy or first quarter? They were up, like, 20, 30 points. And then after that game, the Thunder went four or five games, two in San Antonio. When San Antonio had lost, what, one game all season? Like, I just find right. that. I just find that just like, if you, no way. I mean, you're going to beat a team that was a 67-win team twice on their home court. The only team that beat them was the Warriors all year. And that team, I mean, I, I don't – something happened with the Thunder. And it was, you know, obviously KD had an amazing game, and we'll get to get into that in a little bit. Uh, but too, too much too, – but, you know, I don't know. I, I hope that the, that the conference series uh, can match it. I, I think the Warriors and Thunder were, were, were set up for a classic. And, and, the, and if Cleveland plays the way they play and Kevin Love plays the way – that he's capable of with Kyrie, and we didn't even get to see that last year. And they took the Warriors to six games, right? Right, and I think you have a good point. I think the the regular season really doesn't matter. I think you're seeing Cleveland and the Thunder, two teams who just caught a lot of criticism during the regular season for not maximizing their potential. Um, Cleveland not getting everybody involved, and Oklahoma City seemingly looking like the Scott Brooks coach team during the regular season, and all of a sudden in the playoff, the Spurs peak too soon or whatever, but it, it is good to see 
Oklahoma City and Cleveland actually play to their potential because now some scenarios are in play where it's not just a foregone conclusion that it's Cleveland and, and Golden State anymore. I mean, Oklahoma City is going to do their best to really wreck that. Toronto, against, as we're on the phone, is 54-38 with 3.55 left, and they just look, they look putrid on offense. So. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's, yeah. Cleveland's had a lot of rest, and Toronto's had some emotional emotional swings. Uh, you know, it's good to see Kyle Lowry play a little better to talk about the Raptors, because that was kind of disappointing how, how poorly he has played. And, the, and, and this is a good segue. The Raptors, to me, are what the Wizards should have been this year, right? Like, this is the step. Like, it was like, hey, you know, no matter what, you, you, you make, you win two playoff series, and you go up against the Cavs. And that's what the Washington Wizards were all set up to be. They didn't even have the psychological playoff monkey to get out their back like they had maybe two years ago against the Bulls, uh, where you know they hadn't been in the playoffs the first time. Where the Raptors is what hadn't won a series since Vince Carter, uh, essentially in like 15 years, and they'd been upset the last three years, you know, with Wizards sweeping them, uh, you know, in 2015. So it's just disappointing to see that the Wizards uh, could not do that. So disappointing that they fired Randy Whitman. Randy Whitman. Uh, Coach for one, two, three, four, four and a half seasons. Uh, with the Wizards, did take them to two uh, two different playoffs, uh, postseasons, uh, one, two series against the Bulls and those Raptors. What, Rashad? What do you think of the Randy Whitman era? First, how about this? What were your thoughts of Randy Whitman being fired? Your initial thoughts? I mean, we know it was rumored it was going to happen. We talked about this podcast over and over and over. But just your initial feelings when you you heard the news that Randy Whitman was fired that evening, and then also just when you reflected here over the last month on Randy Whitman, and maybe he didn't reflect at all. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was interesting because that night, and I think I even tweeted about this, there was a point when, for the game, Dominic Wilkins came up, and, I, you know, I've watched the Hawks and the Wizards play long enough you're talking about the last game of the season against the Hawks right to let them know you were there covering the yeah, game yeah I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. the last game of the season I was th- I was there in attendance and uh, Dominique Wilkins as he always does comes across and kind of you know embraces Randy Whitman and usually there are a lot of jokes you know they hug and then they're laughing and they're joking and they even sit down on the bench and I noticed that this time Dominique hugged him and held him for a minute you know, almost consoling him, and it was just—it was, it was a very poignant moment. And I think that, for me, that set the tone of the night because even before the game, Coach Whitman refused to re- address anything about his future before the game. He was just like, "We're going to focus on this game. I don't want to talk about all that stuff." After the game, he was very defiant about how he needed more out of his players. He was defiant about how he was going to be right back in the gym for the exit interviews the next day or talking to his team the next day and you know he invited all the media you know I don't know what you all are going to do but I'll be here but I caught a second poignant moment as after the presser was over as he was walking back into the locker room one of the Verizon Center staff was like coach I really enjoyed you here and again they hugged and it was just the kind of hug as if he was you know all that bluster he was saying is I'll be here I think he knew that this was it. I don't think there was any shock there, and I just think that it was a, it was just odd. I've never been in that scenario where you know when you step into the gym that day that the coach isn't going to be there. I've I've been in scenarios where I stepped into the gym and I knew that Jameson and Karan Butler were going to be traded. You know, but that's 
that's a different feeling than having the coach trade it. So, you know, as I reflected on it, I, I still think it's a little unfair. I think if I'm Coach Whitman and I'm sitting in my living room the next morning after I got fired, I'm thinking, okay, we played my way and we got to the playoffs two years in a row. And we played the way that I didn't want to play, but I was forced to play with subpar personnel. And here I'm sitting here and I got fired. So if you look at it from that standpoint, he got hosed. Um, because, you know, the, the style of play that he excelled at may not have been the style of play that is taking the NBA by storm, but it certainly worked for him. And he just, you know, he didn't get a chance to adjust with the proper personnel. He didn't get a chance to go through this offseason where maybe he could actually have some say in the roster and actually have some input. Um, so, you know, I, I feel a little bad for him. Sadly, his body of work does not indicate that he's capable of, of putting together sustained greatness. Uh, I don't know if Scott Brooks is the answer. We'll get to that later. But I think that Whitman deserves some credit for two years in a row helping to create buzz, working with the roster that he had, and bringing this team to the brink of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you said some nice things about Randy Whitman. Uh, it gets lost in our in our Twitter hate, uh, you know, that that these are human beings. And, and that night, I, I, I discussed this on the podcast with Jake uh, Whitaker, but the last one I had, but, I mean, I went, I was into went to that game uh, as well. You were covering it. I was just there for the post-game, or pre-game interviews with the end-of-season interviews with the players, with Beal and Wall especially. And first person I ran to was Randy Whitman's wife. And she said hello to me. She doesn't know who I am, per se, but she's always been nice to me. And that was like, oh, man, like she's coming here for this last game when there's reports all over circling about her husband losing his job. Now, granted, these people make millions of dollars. There's a lot of other problems going on in this world. And to... to to feel bad about you know people that make that much money losing their jobs is you know a little rough than compared to you know, majority of the Americans, but it still is you know they're still human beings. There still is a respect level, uh, and there still is their livelihood. And, and I did, and she's really nice with all the workers, and everyone likes it. It's kind of like a family. It's kind of like a divorce of a family in a way, where you're still cool with everyone, but now the other people ain't cool, so you don't get the invites to the certain events <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all over. But but I think you're right in the sense that everything that was been said about Randy Women that I'll touch on is 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 what everyone knows. I mean, changing the culture, cha- making people buy into defense, teaching John Wall how to play defense in the NBA, uh, and you know, bringing a respectability level to this franchise that we had not seen, especially on the defensive end. I mean, this team did not play defense under Randy Jordan. This team has not played defense, uh, elite defense. In a long, long time, maybe that's why they haven't been in the playoffs for forever and had any success. And to have them see that change, um, the culture, and to really buy into a system that produced on the court is to be commendable. I mean, you have to recognize that happened. Now, obviously, uh, the stubbornness, the unwillingness uh, to play young people, the rotations, the over-reliance on old guys, uh, the the vanilla offense, the terse attitude towards anyone who just asks a decent question, me especially. I stopped asking him questions years ago, uh, especially before the game. Yeah, that, that, that wore old. Uh, you know, calling out players in the media somewhat. You know, I, I did not like his style, and I think that this team, this franchise, needed a new voice. But I, but I would also like for people to recognize that, you know, that he 
that many women fulfilled the need, especially coming in with Flip Saunders. I was not a fan of them re-upping him. I never should, thought they should have given him the job after that interim year. He went 18 and 31, filling for Flip in 2012. He went 29 and 53 the next year. That was the year that John Wall missed half the season. Uh, we started their historic uh, futility. The next year, um, he went 44 and 38, beat the Bulls in the playoffs, lost the Pacers. 2014-15, he went 46 and 36, uh, defeated the Raptors. Lost to the Hawks, and this year they went in even 41 and 41, even with a lot of injuries, which we poked up that excuse that doesn't really work for a lot of things. But they did win 41 games, finished 500. So I guess credit them goes a little bit. But Rashad, so they fired Randy Whitman, and now the coaching search comes out, and news immediately leaks that same night that they fired Randy Whitman that the top target is Scott Brooks. Some other names are thrown about. But it looks like this is going to be an Ernie Grunfeld kind of style of hire, and they hire Scott Brooks. Uh, and, and I have two different complaints. I think you share into those complaints. But just your initial thought of Scott Brooks uh, and them targeting him right away and then just you know throwing a bunch of lavishly, throwing money at him. About a week later, they had, they had their man. Uh, they had other pursuers out there for Scott Brooks, supposedly. Uh, so you... Rashad, you can look at it two things. You'd be like, okay, the Wizards targeted their guy, they spent the resources to get him, and they should be applauded for doing that. The other, the other counterpoint is uh, you, can hot, you can interview other people. Uh, the other people supposedly in the running for Scott Brooks haven't been banging out his door, offered him a job. Who were they bidding against? They signed Scott Brooks to a five-year contract with $35 million guaranteed. Uh, so in that sense... You know, what were the Wizards doing here in this process? I'm okay personally with the Scott Brooks hire, but I found a lot of flaws and faultiness in the process they went about to actually hire a new NBA coach. It, it seemed to me that this was already, that this deal with Scott Brooks was maybe done a month before the season was out over. Yeah, I didn't. It's funny, when the Lakers hired Luke Walton, someone asked Mr. Kupchak why they hired Luke Walton so quickly. And basically he said, this was my guy. This is who I wanted. When he became available, I went, I went after him. And that's okay for the head coach of the 2016 Lakers. To, and it's okay for the, the GM to say that because, number one, that team isn't going anywhere. Not this year. And that team is going to have a lot of new players, a ton of cap room, and just slightly higher expectations than they did this year when they're a lottery team. So everybody's going to be growing together. And so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Outside of the name recognition, it didn't really matter who the Lakers hired because they just needed to hire somebody who represented positivity. And so they could have tunnel vision because they're at rock bottom. The Lakers, I mean, the Wizards, not so much. And I just think that given all that's at stake, and there's a lot at stake where but you still have to sign Bill. You have to fill this roster with players because there's only five players signed. You have to kind of convince Wall that this is the place to be and good things are ahead despite the setback of not making the playoffs and losing Whitman. And I just think those circumstances kind of behoove you to do an extensive search. And Brooks can be your, your front runner, but there are a lot of, there shouldn't have been any rush to hire someone as long as you had someone when hired by tonight, the night of the draft lottery, you're okay. And had you waited a little bit, maybe you could have had Frank Vogel, who I think would have been excellent 
you know, maybe you could have interviewed Luke Walton. I mean, there's just a lot of possibilities. And they just had tunnel vision and went after Scott Brooks. And the optics from where I was sitting, it looked like, okay, we got to get Scott Brooks because he can help us get Durant. And, you know, he had Durant and Westbrook and OKC, and we have Wall and Beal here. And it just, it at first glance, it looked like there were a lot of lazy comparisons being made and lazy justifications. Now, people who you and I respect, like Aldridge and other people, have David Aldridge, have said that, you know, Scott Brooks is a great defensive coach. He also has a good defensive mind, and he's great with younger players, and that this isn't... David Aldridge insisted in his article that this is not just uh, we're trying to get Durant hired, that Scott Brooks is actually someone who other teams covered. I find it hard to believe that any of those teams would have given him the money in the amount of years that the Wizards gave him. Um, but, again, I'm... I'm not, it's not, there's nothing wrong with Scott Brooks, and I'm not, I don't want to be down on him just because he couldn't get out of the West with the talent that he had because he he did a lot. But I just I don't like the lack of due diligence that the Wizards did, and I just think there's something to be said for being patient when there's no one slam dunk out there. And I think that the team, like Frank Vogel, is going to fall in a situation where it's going to be mutually beneficial. Um, so that's that's. That's my criticism. I wasn't like some of the people who we know who were just slamming Scott Brooks on Twitter because that's not fair. Uh, I just I just don't like how there's nothing that you, you and I do or anybody does in life without weighing all the options. And you can't weigh all the options if you don't even know all the options because you move so quickly to hire this coach. So this isn't John Wooden here. This is still Scott Brooks. And I just think they could have done a little bit more. That's all. The funny thing is that it's almost exactly... What Ernie Greffel did with Flip Saunders when they hired Flip Saunders in 2009. They did not interview anyone else. They gave Flip Saunders a large deal. Uh, I think they gave him, what, four years, 20 million maybe? Uh, guaranteed, five million bucks guaranteed. I talked to Michael Lee, former beat writer of Washington Post, now with Yahoo Sports. He told me, yeah, there was no other candidates. They didn't interview anyone else. And I'm like, well, God, okay, so it didn't work out with Flip and you approached it the same way. Then you fire Flip, hire the interim guy. Then you give the interim guy another, you give him the job. Then you extend him, give him another mini contract. Now you fired him, and now you're going to go go after, you know, a high-profile coach. I mean, Scott Brooks, his winning percentage, he's coach of the year. Uh, his winning percentage is, you know, 60%, or no, he's 30, uh, 62% winning percentage, 338-207, 451 seasons. He developed young young players in Oklahoma City. Um, he does have a track record. You know, obviously he ran into some injury issues, which we're, we're well aware of being snake bitten as a franchise. How that works, uh, definitely been the arena years, and, and you know, somewhat uh, we're dealing with Bradley Bill situation. So, you know, you can feel for him, but he, I mean, there is a proven track record of a coach, and there was a demand for him. I will, you know, I will admit that I'm sure you maybe he would go back. To, I know he played at Houston before. Maybe he would, you know, he'd be a top candidate at Houston. But Houston's season wasn't over yet during the playoffs when the Wizards hired him. Uh, you know, the Wizards seemed to have... I don't know who they were bidding, outbidding him for. Like, when they said... When Scott Brooks's guy goes, you know, I want a fifth year. The Wizards were like, no, we're going to stay at four. Like, who was the other team giving him a fifth year, right? But, like, like, who's even giving him $7 million a year? Now, granted, fans will say... I've had multiple fans say to me, well, you know, coach's salary doesn't count against the salary cap, so who cares? So that doesn't matter. 
uh, you know, and I guess in, in that sense you can say that's true, but you also, you, you know, if this is a team that has a lot of big decisions to be made and they can't negotiate uh, a coaching contract, uh, you know, with the market rate or, you know, to, to their advantage, how, how, what, how does that make you, what kind of confidence level does that give you here for the, the, the free agent decisions that they're about to make? Because there's going to be several that they're going to have to squeeze dollars out of players or take risk on guys or take flyers or have a lot of faith, put up a lot of money into some players, and you can't even I don't know, negotiate a contract now. No, it's over. It doesn't matter. Uh, Scott Brooks is now the coach. I just felt it curious that Grunfeld would do the same type of coaching process. And, and you know, and I personally wanted a young guy. You know, I, I wanted this team to grow up the young guy. I thought St. Cassell would be a good hire. I wanted him to go a different direction, you know, give him a top assistant. There was many of them. Me and you discussed this before in the podcast. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. They made the, Ted Leonsons and Ernie Grunfeld made their decision, and we have to roll with it. I think Scott Brooks is okay. I think it's cynical to look at it just through the KD lens. Uh, but you'd be an idiot not to say that that does not play a factor. I mean, it has to play a factor. I mean, the number one agent that they want is their former coach. I don't know if they're so cool. I wish somebody at the press conference would have asked if they still have a good relationship. Nobody asked that. No one asked him if they still talk. No one asked him that. They just asked him some generic uh, Kevin Durant thing. But, Rashad, you have something to say. You can interrupt yeah, I mean, me all you want. Yeah, I think Royce Young pretty much shut it down right after Scott Brooks got hired and said if they were really cool, then Scott Brooks would still be coaching Oklahoma City. So that, you know, that should have ended anybody's notion that, okay, we got Scott Brooks or Durant is coming. But the the other thing that we did not discuss that's frustrating, at least to me, is the fact that Ernie Grunfeld was even in the decision-making process to hire another coach. Yes. Because, I mean... Let, I mean, let's not be sent. Let's take away the fact that we are we cover the Wizards and we probably have an intense bias towards the very presence of Ernie Grunfeld in our lives. Yes. Let's look at it from the outside. There's no. I mean, I was looking at Mitch Kupchak tonight at the draft lottery selection. He's been around for a minute, but he can justify his presence because there have been titles sprinkled in with his failures. Yes. Okay. He built teams back too, um, right? Right, and one of his failures it's David Stern's fault for nixing that Chris Paul trade. Otherwise, you could have had Chris Paul, Kobe, Dwight Howard. It could have been totally different. So it's okay for him to be around. It's okay for the Spurs organization from top to bottom to still be intact because they have titles. Ernie Grunfeld is around for, you know, as as our man Tony Kornheiser says, he's Houdini. He creates messes. He fixes the messes. He does well enough just to make you forget that he ever made a mess, and then he makes another one. And I just cannot believe that he's still around. He He's still part of this this organization where this could have been a perfect time to just get rid of everything. And you're not going to hurt John Wall's feelings. You're not going to hurt Bradley Beal's feelings, especially if you'd hire, like you said, a younger coach like Cassell or someone who the backcourt at the very least loves. Everybody loves Sam Cassell. It doesn't matter who it is. They all do. And I think that would have been, that, that just would have been a fresh start. So I'm, I'm a little frustrated that Ernie Grunfeld was even in the position to be sitting in a press conference, dazzling us with a vast array of platitude for yet another coach. You know, that, that's the part that's frustrating. Get it out. Get it out, Rashad. And, Get it out. And it just seems like Tilly Houses is completely smitten. Either that or maybe in his mind, 
I kind of feel like, okay, let's see what we do this year, and maybe he's going to get rid of him after this year. I don't know, but I just think if you're going to make a clean start, this would have been the year to do it because just at the very nature of the roster, somebody has to rebuild this roster. And why are you going to have somebody rebuild it who has done it with mixed results in the past? So, again, that was frustrating. Not, part, not, but, not, not even that, Rashad. Like, he, you know, reports came out that he has one year left on his contract, which we already kind of knew was news. Uh, and you allow him to trade your first-round pick from Markeith, which also signaled to many, I, I think correctly, that he was coming back, right? You don't let a GM you're going to fire trade your first-round pick. And then, and then you know, he has an extra year on his contract, so now he's he's technically maybe a lame duck GM, and now he's going to make these major decisions of this franchise and potentially not be around? I, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I think that obviously that means that he's going to be around or he's going to retire or Tommy Shepard's going to take over. There's something that has been, uh, that has been, that has been made behind the scenes because you don't sign Scott Brooks to a five-year contract and the GM's only going to be around for one more year and you're going to ax him if Scott Brooks does bad. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And, and, and and then what happens too? They and then then you could also argue as an Greco is like you know hey we you know as long as John Wall and Bradley Beal are healthy they make the playoffs. It seems to me that that is what Ted Leonsis really cares about. And so so Randy Whitman had to go because they missed the playoffs. But if they made the playoffs this year, I think Randy Whitman might be back. Might have been back, right? And that's sad that in a league of thirty-two teams. Oh, absolutely. That, that I believe of, he would have been. Yeah, that in a league of thirty-two teams that just making the playoffs. Is the bare minimum for Ted Leonsis, which obviously probably sees uh, you know revenue of, of postseason games. But I, I don't know; it, it's it's bizarre, it's puzzling. You're correct. I'm glad that you went on a rant about Aaron Grunfeld. He has you know death taxes in Grunfeld have defeated me. He has won. I don't go on enough rants about Grunfeld because I know that's where the fan base is anger. And it's not that I don't recognize it. I do. I feel it. I, I somewhat share it. I'm just trying to not get sucked into that every podcast, right? Because it's so easy. Because <laughs> it, it, it there's no answer. I mean, there's only takes one person. It's like, you work at a bad job, and you're like, why is that person still employed? And they're like, oh yeah, he's you know married to the executive's daughter. Or why is so-and-so still at this job when they're terrible and everyone recognizes it? It's like, nope, you just need one person to still keep them around. You know, or vice versa. You only need one person to get rid of somebody, no matter how good they are. And that one person is, is Ted Leonsis, and he's decided that Aaron Greffold uh, and his people are, are, this is who he wants to lead his franchise and making this decision. I don't know. It's, it's baffling. It's mind-blowing. And even more baffling is when they, when they go in front of the press to Scott Brooks' press conference. I did not go. I know that you did not make it either. I did watch it live. Uh, you know, whatever. It was okay. You know, he wants to play, play a certain brand. Uh, you know, of basketball, and he seemed like a good guy, and I, th- I think he's going to have a good relationship with the players. And then Ernie gets on there and says all his whole platitudes, like you mentioned. And then Ted Leonsens, uh was up there, and, you know, he didn't really say much. He tried to get every- They both tried to get everyone to ask questions to Scott Brooks, because the question that I would have asked, uh, and I would have maybe just asked it straight up, is, you know, maybe to Ernie, I, I don't know what you were going to ask Rashad, but, you know, why was Randy Whitman scapegoat of this? Right, like why like, of this mess? Why was it raining Whitman the scapegoat, and and who else is shares blame in this? Because we sat here and talked. I blame the front office. I blame the coaching. I blame the players. And I blame the ownership. And I know how it all works out in the hierarchy. You can't. If 
fire certain players, but I thought they were all equal. And if I would have said the coaching, uh, coaching wasn't the top of my list. It was the front office and the ownership. But yet, who's the one unemployed and who took the brunt of all this? Why these other guys are are, are given, you know, a press conference of uh, how great it all is and how awesome Scott Brooks is. And I know that's what the the, the whole point of the whole press conference is, is to say positive things and turn the page. But did you feel already they were making many women the scapegoat of all this, of all their feelings? Did you get that sense? I mean, you have to be if you're going to say that the team underachieved and you're, I mean, you, they mentioned that injuries are a part of it, but they still mentioned the team underachieved and you're going to bring back the person who built the roster, but you're not going to bring back the person who coached it. Then that, he's, he's the scapegoat. I mean, he absolutely is a scapegoat. And I mean, that's, as we see in the NBA, it's not fair. That's how it is in the NBA in general. But Randy Whitman is being made the scapegoat. Or was being made the scapegoat, and you know, I'm sure he he understands that. I think Scott Brooks understands that, given how he was fired, and so it's just the nature of the beast. I just would have liked to have. I mean, this is fantasy land, but I would have liked to have someone admit it, saying Randy Whitman didn't get the job done. We feel like Scott Brooks can, and just frame it like that. You know, I don't even think that's 100 percent right, but you know, like you said, we can't. At this point, we can't do anything about it. Um, but I, I do believe it will be absolutely fair for us and people who write about the team to be extremely critical this season because if they miss the playoffs again, that you know, then that, that's a problem. That's a problem because you've moved laterally with a new coach, presumably a new roster, and you miss the playoffs again, and that, that's going to be a problem. And so I think in some respects, Scott Brooks doesn't have the luxury of the Luke Walton or whoever the coach in Indiana will be, we have a little bit of leeway. They're going to have Wall, Beal, Morris, Gortat, and whatever magic they would work this year. There's going to be lots of pressure. And I, I think that as, as people who cover the team, we have a right to be very critical very quickly. Well, I mean, well, we, I'm going I'm to spoil two topics we're about to talk about here, but if Kevin Durant doesn't come here, John Wall uh, is – you know, I miss his time with an injury. I mean, unless I get Al Horford, I, I mean, you, I wouldn't pick him to make the playoffs, would you? I mean, you would, you would think that the Pacers will drop off, yeah, I and was, then the Bulls will come trying, back, right? I was trying to avoid that topic, but you have brought me here. Yes, we have yet another injury to have, have over our heads the entire summer where we heard the same refrain. It's an injury. He went up there to clean up some stuff. It's just... That's nothing serious to be back to start training. Yep. The first year I covered the team, 2008, I sat at a press conference with Abe Poland, may he rest in peace, and Ernie Grunfeld, and Gilbert Arenas, and Gilbert Arenas' mom, or you know, Gilbert Arenas' family, and at that point he was injured, and they said, somebody asked Abe Poland, do you feel comfortable signing this contract, even though Gilbert's injured? And he was like, we have every faith that he will be ready by start a training camp. Gilbert didn't come back until like March of 2009. Just, so I've, I've, we've been to this before. We don't even have to go back that far. Alan Anderson, you know, and so I'm just highly skeptical of John Wall having both knees worked on, not one more, but both knees worked on. 
the biggest thing last year was he was not in shape at the beginning of the season. That's, that's what you heard him say. That's what you heard Randy Whitman say. He was not in shape. And now he's going to have knees. I, I, it's just it, it's very concerning because, like you said, it's going to give the coaches and the GM, it's going to give them an excuse for however long he stays out. Even if he comes back and he's on the God-forsaken minutes restriction, then what? You know, you just like you you constantly have excuses. And then that's to go down this depression rabbit hole. So, but let's say that, you know, let's say that Bill gets hurt 20 games in. You have no Bill. You have a hobbled, a hobbled wall. There's just a lot of depressing scenarios that can only be righted if Kevin Durant came here, which now it seems like every time I, I hear this on TV, could come to D.C., and it's like they wink at the camera and laugh because they just know that shit is not going to happen. <laughs> and then there was an entire section on Around the Horn. I watched this the other Friday where they talked about potential destinations for Kevin Durant, and nobody mentioned D.C. I mean, they mentioned Boston, they mentioned Miami, they mentioned San Antonio or OKC, and nobody, not even Tony Reale, who cut his teeth on Around the Horn on PTI here in yes. D.C., he didn't even mention it. It just it wasn't even mentioned. So you have a potential scenario where you have a new coach, a roster where the top two stars are not going to be here, whether because of lingering injuries or walk or somebody who's chronically injured in field, and it's just there's a potential for depression here. And I've, I've tried to talk around it by not mentioning walls injury, but yes, it, it could it could pretty much suck. In October and November. So before we get back into the terrible news of John Wall's injury, let's finish up uh, Ted Leonson. So Ted Leonson, who I've been really critical of dodging interviews, uh, not discussing his plan, uh, or explaining what the hell is going on with his franchise, and, and, and giving other press conferences and press availabilities on other topics like arena ball and uh, virtual reality. But he did go to the Scott Brooks conference, and he was available for the press afterwards. And these are some of his quotes. Uh, he was asked why he did not change anyone else in the front office. His answer, uh, not really, because we were executing to the plan. If we had varied from the plan and the plan didn't work, then I think I would have been in with my realm of responsibility to take a look. But we were executing a plan we agreed on when I bought the team five years ago. Let me start right here. It's been six years, first of all. And the fact there has been three or four different plans and shot, but I will go off on a rant. I don't want to go off on the rant yet. Let's finish his quotes. So he's saying about the plan, which I would I would say the plan it was a two year, three year plan, but not five. But let's go back. Leonson continues. So they asked him uh, another normal question. You know, you replaced the GM of the Capitals. Uh, the Capitals have found more success uh, in the regular seasons. Let me. Let me pour some out for the Capitals postseason, but they definitely had had success. So they asked him why he didn't something, do something similar. Well, the one thing I'll say from a leadership standpoint is we are articulating a plan in the NHL with the Caps. The only times we deviated from the plan and didn't work is when I felt management was at risk. We said we wanted to be young, we wanted to have depth, we wanted to have balance, and we wouldn't trade young for old. On a, a few occasions when we traded young for old players or rental players and it didn't work out, and it being a setback for us. We really looked at that. Uh... I, I don't know. Uh, Jake Whitaker uh, on Boltzweiger says, hey, you know, trading for Gorton and Marquise Morris would kind of be deviant from the plan, especially I could go back to all the draft picks. and I already won all these rants. You know you know my takes. But this is what he said as well. Uh, he asked, they asked him about the trade. He said the big decision for us 
Uh, we made this year's. We traded a pick for Morris. I looked at that one really hard. What was the strategy of a one-off strategy? Who did we who did we get for Gortat? Would I trade Gortat for Innes, who was the pick? What the Suns took? The answer is yes. It is interesting for exit interviews how team really liked admire and wanted to play with Morris. I, uh, Rashad, just going back to him one not knowing that he's owned the team for six years instead of five, uh, which which irked me. His his notion of things have worked for the Cavs. So he's making he's making uh, almost arguments after the fact with the Caps, but then reversing his arguments for the same one for the Wizards to keep Grumfeld. Uh, can you make him any any of this? Or is this just more marketing PR stuff? And and I think there was another quote. Uh, unfortunately, I was not there because I would have asked him some harsh questions. There was another quote which he mentioned that he doesn't evaluate Grumfeld on thirteen years. He only evaluates him under the time that he owned the team. Which is some more bullshit because he's he was a minority owner under A. Pullman. That's why he was able to buy the Wizards. You know, he was the one who recruited Michael Jordan to run this team to come back and play years ago. He's been following the effing Wizards for a long time. So he basically has been involved with Ernie Grunfeld since the day Ernie Grunfeld has been here. Now, yes, he wasn't the main guy calling the shots, but he was highly involved in all those meetings. So for him just to give Ernie Grunfeld all his record of whitewash just from the time that he took over, it's just, I don't know, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Uh, Rashad, I, 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 I get critical. Your take on these quotes, or just your take on Ted Leonson's, uh, just mumbo-jumbo. Should we take too much into these these quotes or his reasoning or this plan? Because now it feels like they're going back to two things. They're scapegoating, scapegoating Randy Whitman, and they're going to use this three-year plan, and that's going to be the answer to everything. Well, if you look at it from his standpoint, they still have lots of cap room. They have, they're getting ready to, they have walls, getting ready to re-sign Beal, and they have Morris, and they have Gortat, and they still feel like they have a lot of flexibility, a lot of cap room to do the things that they want to do personnel-wise. And the only thing that didn't fit in that plan was the fact that they didn't make the playoffs, and they attributed that squarely to coaching some coaching, some injuries. So if you choose to look at this team's failure that way, of course you're not going to feel like you deviated from the plan. You feel like the only thing that didn't work out was the coaching and injuries. We got a new coach and injuries will be better next year. So I didn't, that part didn't bother me. I mean, that's what he believes. Now personally, I believe that, like I said earlier, I think if you're going to change the culture, this is the season to do it. You have to rebuild the roster. You want to rebuild the roster with someone who has a proven track record, not necessarily Ernie Grunfeld, and you could have redone everything. But, you know, I'm, I'm not totally honest. And he feels like Ernie Grunfeld has successfully navigated the plan that he wanted, and they had a little hiccup, and now they're going to be back on track. But that goes back to my earlier point. I just... I mean, let's say Wall is not 100% the whole year, and let's say Bill does get injured, and let's say another rash of injuries prevents this team from making the playoffs, then what? You know, then if you're not going to, you still on, is the plan still intact? Are you going to blame Scott Brooks? I just, there's some holes there, but again, I, it, it would behoove us to take the wait and see approach, but. I just think there's some holes in that plan from my perspective. But from Yonsa's perspective, everything is right on track. And that's really all that matters. They don't really care what we think or, you know, 
I do find it curious that nobody asked that, but I've been in those press conferences before. I mean, yes. you can just tell just by the nature of how a press conference is going that you're either going to get stonewalled or you just won't get the question answered. Well, well, part of me gets frustrated because it's the one thing the fans ask. It's like, why is Erwin Griffith still in the... I mean, they ask me two things. Online, in person, anytime I'm in a wizard conversation. Half the time comes up, why is Erwin Grunfeld in charge? And the other one is, when are they going to go back to the Bullets? <laughs> but more and more, it's not so much about the Bullets anymore. It's, it's all about why is Erwin Grunfeld still in charge? And, 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 and that's just the elephant in the room. And so when his answer is, well, Erwin Grunfeld's just doing what I want to do. My plan's, my plan's in place. But what pisses me off the most about this, Rashad, and, and I just said I wasn't going to go on the rant, but I'm going to go on the rant. So he owns the team for six years, uh, not five, like, <laughs> like like he said. And second of all, here's the here's the plans under under Ted Leonsis, a monumental. Uh, they're going to build through the draft, so they trade all these players away, right? They trade all these players, take on contracts. They're going to build through the draft. They accumulated all these picks, you know. Uh, got Seraphin, got you know drafted him, got uh, you know Singleton, you know Jordan Crawford, got got cap room, you know did, took on people's. Uh, cap room the contract so they could you know get draft picks get these young assets they're going to be young they're going to grow with the team you know Trevor Booker John Wall uh, then they're going to be long uh, they got JaVel McGee they got Andre Blatch who they signed to an extension when they didn't need to they got they got uh, Jan Vesely they're going to throw alley-oops they're going to play fast they're going to be long you know I remember Ted the Unses telling me man I, we can start 7 foot you know 6'11 6'10 I mean, that's just, we're going to be fast and long and run around. Uh, you know how that worked out. Now they're going to get some veterans. They're going to play defense. Now they're going to play defense. Uh, they, you know, they're going to be defensive team first. Uh, then they're going to be the bad boys. Uh, Rashad. This is the bad boys. Two years ago, remember? Going to be the bad boys. Got all these guys. We're going to be the bad boys. And then all of a sudden now we're going to be small ball. We're going to be pace and space running. Uh, in the meantime, they also said, uh, you know, they were going to be the thunder back when they were the draft, so they're going to be the Thunder. I mean, how many different models and plans is this year? You know? Now, 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 granted, did they not sign big free agents last summer? Did they not commit a lot of money to different players so they could have enough salary cap? Did, did they make it where Nene's, extension, Nene's contract and Beal's extension were timed, where Nene's contract would end and Beal would be up for his extension at the same point? They did that. That was part of their plan. But all this other like revisionist history and you know, trading draft was part of the, you know, they went from, we're going to build young, to now you're going to have, what, one draft pick in three years. One, total. I, 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 and that's Kelly Oubre, who they don't play, uh, or have not played, who, who you know, hopefully Scotty Brooks can get something out of. You know, I, I just don't see a plan here. I, I, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do in the sense that they want to have flexibility, but don't kind of sell me on this. You know, you're just kind of, I mean, yeah, you didn't tie your money into long-term contracts, so I guess that's the plan because you don't really, you didn't really do that. But you know, the plan is for having Kevin Durant try to come here in 2016. I understand, I agree, I get it. But don't say that there's anything else that's really been happening when you you have basically gone back on your word on all these things. You know, aside from not knowing how long you've owned the team, Rashad. It, do you remember all these things that I'm mentioning, or, or any comments before I go on to another depressing topic? No, I, I, I think we've uh, I think we've brought up our absence here. I think we're both. I think my brand for 
uh, Ernie Brunfeld, but you are equally as passionate with Ted Leonsis. And I, well, you know, I would like to somebody to admit, look, we put all our eggs in the Kevin... What's that? Yes, keep going. We put all our eggs in the Kevin Durant basket. That's how, That's our plan, right? Right, that was our plan. It didn't work out, so now we're going to go in another direction, and we're going to, you know, we're going to get rid of the coach and GM, and we have we have a new direction, and that is we're going to see who we can get through free agency. Not one free agent, but several free agents, and we have a nice core. Thank you, Ernie, but we're going to go a different direction. I mean that if you if you just admit that what your plan was is not totally working, then I'm I'm okay with that, but. It seems like they're some of the plan didn't work. They're not going to admit to that. They're just going to fire the coach and they're going to start anew. And again, if let's say Wall starts the regular season, Bill is healthy, and they come out and they look like world beaters, then I'll be the first person to say I was wrong and their plan is working. But that's just not the history of this team, you know. That's not the that's not the history of of what we're used to seeing. I mean, and hearing. Shortly after all these wonderful announcements, hearing that Wall was going to have surgery on knee, on his knees just fit into the running narrative of this team. Yes, it was uh, last, God, it was now two weeks, or maybe it was two weeks uh, ago. Uh, the Capitals uh, played a game in Pittsburgh. They totally, completely outplayed the Penguins. They should have won the game. Uh, they outshot him, outhit him. And for some reason, D.C. sports can't have nice things. And they lost the game. It was a game they should have won. They blew it. And, and then it goes back where the Capitals were behind the, the you know, then Pittsburgh outplayed them uh, in, you know, two other games, and, and they lost. And, and so they lose the series. And so before that game, it's, you know, hyperbolic. Uh, you know, all D.C. sports fans were on Twitter and were going nuts. Well, there happened to be a basketball game that night in Cleveland, Uh I don't know, was it was it the Hawks, or were they still playing? I, I don't know. John Wall was there for some reason. I'm like, why is John? And then I got I think some, it was. And then I got some mm-hmm. tweets, and they were like, why is John Wall at a Cavs game? Of course, you know, there's pictures of him and Kyrie buddying up. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, whatever. So I'm still seeming for the, still dealing with this Cavs loss. And, and Rashad, uh, it is the 10-year anniversary the next day. It's Cinco de Mayo. It is a 10-day, 10-year, I'm sorry, 10-day. 10 10-year anniversary of the Damon Effin Jones shot uh, in Game Six against the against the Cavs, uh, and is the next day. And I'm like, wow, great. Uh, you know, I'm doing. I'm like, can't wait to, to remind everyone of you know Gilbert Arenas missing the free throws after his 30-foot shot, which still should be one of the best shots in uh, franchise history, uh, to tie the game and send it to overtime. Uh, and then you know the broad pass to Damon Jones, and it was the you know, that, that series that the Wizards should have won, and they lost. I was there in the arena. Other podcasts, I can go off on more about how depressing that was. But it, it took me a while to get over that. I'm obviously not, still not over it. Single de Mayo reminds me of that. Uh, it was a 10-year anniversary, so I'm getting ready to, you know, rile everyone up for the Wizards about, uh, remind them, uh, tell them not to follow me on Twitter anymore because I remind you of these horrific things of sports history, especially after that painful Caps loss. And we get an alert. Uh, John Wall has undergone knee surgery on his left knee. Uh, the Washington Wizards announced John Wall has undergone a successful procedure to excise calcificate deposits in his left patella tendon in order to eliminate pain and assist healing 
He, this is from a press release from the team. He will begin rehabilitation process immediately and expected to be available for the start of the 2016-17 season. Oh, by the way, he also went in arthroscopic leverage on his right knee to remove some loose bodies, Rashad. So not only uh, he was in Cleveland because he had surgery at the Cleveland Clinic uh, the day before. So that's why he was at the game. I'm like, wow, so he's chumming it up against the Cavs, so it's not the Wizards. The Cavs have just lost horrifically. John Wall's having surgery in Cleveland on both knees. Uh, a minor and a you know, somewhat major procedure, uh, you know, supposedly really minor uh, one. And it's the 10-year anniversary of Gilbert Arena Smith and the Shots to the travel LeBron James. Wow. What, what, you know, thank you, DC Sports, Rashad. I, I know you all have stopped listening to these podcasts because I reminded you of all those painful memories. But I wanted to uh, go over that. I, I need that context. Because uh, when I'm looking at this John Wall knee surgery news, it's in the context of this anniversary of this horrific moment in Bullets history, in Wizards history, and uh, the Caps just, you know, choking up a game, which ended up helping them lose a series against a team that they were better than. Uh, how worried are you about this procedure uh, of these ones? Uh, supposedly the, the one on the left knee is, is more major, like I mentioned, uh, that that they have gave a timetable before the season starts. So that means he's out of Team USA, a consideration. Will not be, probably wasn't going to make it anyway, but now I can't even bitch at Coach K, so I'm kind of pissed about that. Uh, working on his game all summer, you know, you you talked about earlier in the podcast about him being out of shape, uh, you know, adjusting to a new system, to a new coach. All those are now in flux, and he's the best player, the most important player on the team. And now he is going to be dealing with uh, a knee injury. I guess the the advantage of it, he won't miss any games, but you were talking about how you had flashbacks to Gilbert Arenas and his knee injury in his press conference. When you heard the John Wall news, uh, how'd you feel, and what kind of outlook do you have uh, for this? Well, first thing I thought about is we're not going to see him until January, uh, <laughs> and that's—I don't even think that's being cynical. I mean, I think that he has to again, he has to get in shape. He's going to have to test that knee, and every knee. And people say it was just minor surgery on one knee. It's, it's only minor because I wasn't the one who got it. You know, it's, it's major surgery if you're going in on something that affects someone as quick as John Wall, relies on speed as John Wall. So I, I'm, I'm very concerned. Just when is the last time on this team where a player had a major injury or a minor injury and you heard the phrase, we'll be back before the start of the season, Never. we'll be back by the All-Star break, and that is actually happening, and you're just overjoyed in the fact that they've had a speedy recovery. Like when's the last time someone had an injury like Steph Curry had, and they give a timetable, and he actually comes back on or before. This just doesn't happen here. Dude, Wizards and don't even, Rashad, Wizards don't even give that. They just give, like, day-to-day sore knee. Chris Humphries is out, like, two months. <laughs> right, and Alan Anderson, Alan Anderson was on the brink of coming back for months, and it just didn't happen. And so, I am, right. Darius Angalia, for those who want to go back, way back, machine. <laughs> and, the coach already drew the line in the sand by by talking about how John Wall has not tapped in his potential and he expects more. Well, you can't expect more if the guy's coming in hobbled or he's coming in not in shape. And any just any Wizards fan, anybody who covers the team knows usually 
these past couple seasons. The one we can rely on is Wall. Beal may be in and out, but you can rely on Wall. And now that reliable player who played every game this season until he sat out, I guess with the same knee injury, is now iffy to start the season. And so you have an iffy point guard, an injury-prone two guard, and we don't know what else we're going to have. And this is what Scott Brooks is going to be given. I mean, it seems to me he should be just stuck with Whitman. You know, at least he knows how to make lemonade here. You know, he's done it before. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned. Um, to me, Media Day is going to be the key, as it always is. Is he going to be at Media Day? Is he going to be walking around? Is he going to be hobbled? Is he going to be practicing? You know, the, those are the things that I'm now looking towards because I, we've, I've just seen so many times where this, they're kind of managing expectations on the fly. And before you look up, it's January, and the Wizards are not performing to expectations, and you're already switching into, okay, next year mode. Well, as Coach Whitman said, John Wall isn't young anymore. He can't be considered a young player when he's getting ready to go into his seventh season. He's not young. And so I think it's, I have a right to be concerned. Uh, so, you know. We'll, we'll see, but I don't have a great feeling about the start of this season. Yeah, I don't either. And and another topic that makes me uh, also also concerned is yes, it is. It was who knows what the percentages of Mr. Kevin Durant coming to Washington D.C. Who really knows? But at this point, with everything that's going around the, the franchise, Beal's Beal's looming contract extension, which they probably they have to do his. His inability to stay on the court. John Wall now is a question mark from the injury. A roster in flux. All this cap room. But the free agent, the free agent class, aside from Kevin Durant or Al Horford, I don't think there's one player that are difference makers. You've got to kind of land on a couple other guys and, you know, create some some type of uh, environment or success like, like we've seen maybe with the Atlanta Hawks or Charlotte to a lesser extent this year. But it has to be Kevin Durant. And the more... So what we needed to happen, or I was rooting for, and I don't know about you, Rashad, is I wanted an OKC to get their ass kicked. You know, after that Spurs game won, and they got they got their ass they got killed. I was like, all right, this is the best thing. Things are looking up for Katie to DC. You know, he got if he gets smoked by the Spurs, now he's gonna be in his head. He can't beat the Spurs or the Warriors, and the reverse has happened. Not only did they beat the Spurs, they embarrassed them in Game Six, kicked their ass. Kevin Durant went out of his mind in what game was that three or four, where he just absolutely went nuts, uh, and 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 then now they've won Game One in the Western Conference Finals. In, in I mean, the argument for him to go anywhere is is probably leaving now. Now I'm wondering, Rashad, do I want to have them win it all? Like, do is, is it? I want them to either lose and get blown out, embarrassed, or go all the way to a championship. And then now Kevin Durant be like, "All right, OKC, I won you one. I want to go play in front of my family." Well, that's my, you know, that's my hope. I think that if they win it all, and Durant wins the title, I think you just maybe they'll be selfish. Maybe Westbrook will, you know, will say, you know, I'm not going to be here for another year or another two years and maybe Durant will say well I might as well go home because I don't have the pressure of trying to be a champion I'm already a champion it still sounds far-fetched even if I say it out loud but oh it's totally far-fetched right but these this this is 
That's all we got left? Basically, I mean, I, I just don't see him coming here. I mean, I, I haven't talked to one person. I haven't talked to or read anything by any person who says confidently, yeah, you know, the Wizards have a shot. It's always, they just kind of mention it as a throw-in just to make everybody feel better, but nobody actually believes that it's going to happen. Yes. So then now we're going to plan B, which is the free agencies, right? So so it's looking bad for KD to D.C., uh, you know, it's gone up and down, but I think that the argument for him to leave, but I don't think it's just KD to DC. I think the argument for him to leave anywhere to Miami or LA or Boston, you know, they, they make the finals with them. Why not bring him back? Especially if you see the way Cantor and Adams have developed, right? I don't know why, right. why he wouldn't stay there. I, 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 you know, seem to like his coach. He's got farther because I think it was Royce Young that wrote it the other day is that the Thunder, you know, when they've had a healthy Duran and healthy Westbrook, they've always been to like the final or the conference finals. I mean, since since like the last four years or whatever, right? Like, yeah, you know, the years that they haven't made it is when one of them has been hurt. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that way. So you know, it's always been the other people on the team, and God forbid, Dion Waiters making big shots. It's just so bad. I hate Dion Waiters. He's one of my least favorite players in the league. He's making big shots. Katie to DC's going down the drain. And you know who else is hitting shots? Randy F and Foy. I mean, how many memories, how many bad things can happen to uh, Wizards fans watching these games through this? I, I don't know. It's just it's killing me. Uh, you know, because it's starting to go into how, you know, Wizards could have every player on the on the Golden State team, too. But, you know, I, don't think that I don't think that every effing game. <laughs> <laughs> But 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 well, let's go back. So what is Plan B here then? I mean, Horford, say Horford doesn't come, or Horford goes somewhere else. What I mean, do you really think that like Evan Turner, Nick Batum, you know, overpaying for Ken Bazemore is going to move the needle? You know, like giving them that much money, overbidding for them? I, you know, Ryan Anderson? I I don't I just don't I just don't know where they're going to go with all this money, man. And I don't I don't see the free agency guys being that difference makers. Now if they're going to make a bunch of moves. Say Otto Porter improved, Kelly Oubre improves. There, you know, Marquise Morris for the whole season. You know, there is some things to work with with this team, especially on a young standpoint. So maybe they do a bunch of frugal moves. You know, I, I don't know. It, 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 the, the, the crop of free agents. It's really kind of bizarre, Rashad, because here now all all these teams have money. And that's what kind of screwed the Wizards in a little bit. Is that you know, with the the salary cap going up now, all these all these extra teams they're competing with, where they had set it up, where they'd be one of the few teams with a lot of money to have a max guy, right? And and but now this crop of free agents is very underwhelming. We're gonna have a more podcast to go over these free agents. I probably need to study it more and kind of look. I know that's what fans want to hear, but since there is no draft pick. Uh, uh, the team, even though the Wizards went to the draft workout and interviewed a bunch of people, I read. Uh, Rashad, what is Plan B, C, or D? And do you see any of these players out here that can move the needle? And that's why I'm kind of pessimistic right now. The Walls injury, the no picks, uh, Grunfeld making all these decisions, and you know Kevin Durant's success with Oklahoma City has me really sour currently on the Wizards forecast. Talk me out of being sour, or should I be doom and gloom? No, you should be sour. I mean, I talked to a guy who covers the Hawks today, and he said that Horford loves Atlanta and will be unlikely to to, to leave. I guess Batum is an option, uh, but you know, twenty five million a year, twenty million a year for Batum. I mean, that's God. exactly that's exactly what I was going to say. They're going to have to 
I mean, I could just see the Wizards overpaying because of their nervousness about Wall this year and their perpetual nervousness about Beal. You know, they're, they're either going to have to overpay or they're going to be frugal. And if you're frugal, there's just no reason to be optimistic. It just adds further insult to KD not being here. Um, so it's, it's, again, maybe Grunfeld has another rabbit to pull out of a hat and he knows exactly what he's going to do, but it just, it's not a comfortable feeling given a year ago we were thinking that KD was going to come here and everybody thought it was a realistic option and now we're going to be nickel and diamond trying to put a roster together. Now, as you said, Wall, Beal, Morris, Gortat, and whoever else they find. Uber, Uber and Porter. I mean, that's a decent mix. Of Uber and Porter. That. I mean, that's, that's, that's de- decent, but you're not going to beat the Heat. No, you're not going to no. beat Toronto. <laughs> you know, they're not going to, not going to beat Cleveland. So we're going to be right back where we are, where we're going to be starting at five. And, you know, so that's, that's not what, that's, I'm sure that's not part of the plan that Ted speaks of. So I am, all the things that we've named, a new coach, no KD, Wall's injury, just I don't feel good about this offseason right now. And I've felt good about the past three offseasons because last year I just felt like the Wizards were they were on an upward arc after just missing the playoffs. The year before it was Pierce. The year before that it was Beal. Like there's just been things to look forward to these past few years. And this is the first year where even though this alleged plan is still intact, you just don't feel good because there's nothing to look forward to except for injury-prone players getting healthy and a GM who has a mixed track record pulling a rabbit out of a hat. These are things that you can that you can hang your hat on. So there's, as of right now, as we're doing this podcast on May 17th, I am very pessimistic about the Wizards doing anything of note in the off season and the upcoming regular season. How well positive <clears throat> positive news because uh, I feel like we're gonna have some more pot, uh, podcasts about the Frasian class and what's going on uh, you know in May and June before the July first July first right we're gonna start right. July July first so we'll have plenty more time to dissect some of those players you know I, I am very doubtful that a Harrison giving 20, 20, 25 million a year to Harrison Barnum and Nick Batum is gonna change the needle for anyone. You know, I mean, yeah, it makes you better, but I don't, I don't, I just don't. Unless there's some other, you get some other deals, like, I, mean, I kind of like that Ian Clark guy for the for the Warriors. You know, maybe some guys like that you kind of give some chances to on some, some teams. Uh, you know what I mean? But I do not, I do not want Evan Turner. Kent Bazemore is probably going to get 50, 60 million. I mean, it's going to be wild out there. And I think a lot of fans are going to see the numbers and go nuts. I mean, I know it's going to be hard to see the the numbers not be like that player isn't worth such and such, right? But everyone has a bunch of money, and they got they got a limited players to spend it on, and they got to sometimes spend it on somebody, uh, you know, to, to to get the salary floor or whatever it is. But I'm not really a salary cap guru. But what I can say is that let's have a positive pixel uh, part of this podcast. Uh, oh, actually, say one negative thing: the Wizards have lost the, uh, the they did not win the lottery. They had a 2.2 percent chance to move in the top three, uh, which meant they would have kept their pick tonight. They did not make it. Uh, the lottery went chalk. Uh, so now the, the Wizards' pick is uh, 13, which they traded for Markeith Morris, so it goes to the Suns. That deal is complete. Uh, obviously, there was a likely scenario. The lottery went complete chalk up and down the board. 
the Sixers number one, the Lakers two, and the Celtics three, which was the Nets. Uh, the Nets pick from a terrible trade. Uh, Rashad, quick thoughts on the lottery before moving to the final positive topic before we conclude. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I told you that I, I wanted the Wizards to, to win it. I, I knew that wasn't going to happen. It was very, it was slim to none. They shouldn't have sent anybody. They shouldn't have sent Zach Leonis or, Leonis or anybody. They should have just had a, a naked chair there because it was just, there, there was nothing that was going to happen. So, and I knew right away, they didn't, I couldn't even enjoy the lottery. Right away, you knew that the Wizards weren't going anywhere. So, you know. What do you, you mean by the decision of Zach Leonis? Uh, being there tonight to represent the Wizards. I just feel like if, if you're going to do something, you're going to send him, you also know that you have no shot. Like, that's just an unimaginative pick, you know? Send, yeah. send Markeith Morris. There's a certain humor there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I did I did wonder, uh, who was the one? Isaiah Thomas went to the Celtics. I was like, <laughs> I guess he thought I had a shot to get number one, but uh, was he the only player? I guess Carol, Carl Towns was the other player. Was there, right. any other, was there any other player? He was a uh, rookie, at least. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, the R- Willie Colley Stein, the guy from the Kings. Uh, Willie Colley Stein and the guy from Phoenix. That uh, was a rookie. Oh, yeah, Devin Booker. Yeah, there, yeah, right? he was there. Okay, yeah, see, but look, at those are rookies, right? <laughs> I thought maybe G Wiz, you know? Maybe, maybe we should have him go. Uh, that, that was funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, three years ago I, had a, 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 I hosted a draft lottery party, so it was kind of different. To, to, to host a party at a bar to try to get a top pick. And then we actually, uh, that was the pick, we got into the top three, went from eight to three, right? Seven or, right. Seven or eight, and then got Otto Porter in one of the weakest drafts there has been, which people this year say it's a, it's a weak draft. Uh, I'm okay with it, even though I looked and saw that uh, Chad Ford had uh, Valentine from Michigan State, who I really like, was projected to go to the Suns with the Wizards pick. Uh, you know, great. We have we have we have uh, Gortat and Morris to show for two picks we gave to Phoenix. Uh, but the, but to end on the positive note, uh, Rashad is Tomas. There's reports uh, the draft pick uh, Tomas uh, Sadoransky, uh, the Wizards' second round pick in 2011, is made. Uh, he had signed a deal with Barcelona, uh, athletic point guard. Had signed a deal with re-upped with Barcelona, so it looked like he was maybe never going to come over. The Wizards still have, have his rights. Uh, their news broke uh, over the last couple of weeks that he is going to be. He's been in talks with the Wizards. They're going to negotiate a buyout, and he will be coming to the Wizards on. It looks like maybe a multiple-year deal. Terms have not been released, but he will be in the mix. Athletic. He's improved his shooting. Uh, one. Of, they say one of the most athletic guards in Europe. Uh, pass first point guard. Uh, you know, obviously we have not seen him play much, uh, but just your thoughts on uh, the move of the Wizards to bring over Thomas Sadoransky. Uh, um, it's, it's an incomplete. You know, I uh, I don't I don't know a lot about him, but it's always a gamble when you're bringing players from overseas. You're assuming that they're going to adjust to the speed of the game. They're going to adjust to the physical aspect. So I want to get excited. The people whose job it is to cover international players seem very excited about him. But, you know, I kind of wish he was going to be in summer league just so I could gauge. And maybe he will be. I don't know. But I'm cautiously optimistic uh, because I've been hearing good things about him. But it's, that's 
that's it's yet another unknown. You can't hang your hat on that. You can't because you just don't know. It's always a crapshoot. But well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Have Have you heard anything about whether he's going to be in time for summer league or or just in time for training camp? I think it's just training camp. I mean, that was one of the hookups from last year or maybe two summers ago that he did not want to go back to summer league. And that was kind of what the Wizards wanted him to go to Summer League, and then they were going to negotiate a contract. He did not want to go. Uh, and he's kind of a little old, maybe a little bit too old now for Summer League as well. <laughs> I mean, he's, what, 24, 25? I mean, I guess there's ne- never, you're never too old for Summer League, but a guy in his position might, might think that he's kind of maybe above Summer League and he's kind of proven too much for Summer League. But you are correct. I would like him to you know, get some work with Oubre, or whoever, whatever free agent rookies they're, they're taking a look at, uh, kind of run the offense, get some work with the new coaching staff with Scott Brooks. That'd be a benefit. But maybe you know, I, I haven't heard. I, I think that's not, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but my take on Sadoransky is this team needs athleticism. We I've complained about very you know, true. Yeah, very the, true. you know, especially in the backcourt. I mean, aside from Wall and, and Ubre, there there's no real high flyers on this team. And get out and run and. Uh, I do, uh, and he is a pass-first point guard. He ha- his shot has improved, like I said. I do have questions on his ability to knock down the open three, uh, and can he play defense? You know, can, uh, what what kind of defense? Uh, he has the athletic ability to play defense, but you know, is he quick enough laterally to stay in front of these guards? Is he strong enough? Uh, you know, so hold the speed in this game is completely different. But you know, he does seem to have a work ethic, and he's improved every year in Europe. And so those are positive. I'm, I'm, I'm finally glad that he's coming over and into the mix. It's something that the Wizards need. Is he a difference maker? Doesn't really matter. We're probably going to make too much of it because uh, there's not much news to talk about that is only negative. But, yeah, I, I think it is a positive development, and I'm happy to see if he can contribute and we can finally score. Uh, and maybe he'll make up for the Jan Vesely disaster. Probably not, but maybe maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe 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 a little bit. I'm glad I'm glad I got a chuck chuckle out of you, Rashad. But uh, any any parting thoughts? Thank you so much for coming on here. I know I know you missed me. You miss you miss you miss getting out uh, your frustrations about a basketball team that won't play again for another five months. But uh, Rashad, any any parting thoughts? Anything you want to see in the playoffs or Wizards things? I, I, there's not much news. Bradley, Bradley Beal's in Japan. I, I can't. Hey, that's all I got. Yeah, I saw that. I think the thing that's frustrating me the most is I'm, I watch the Wizards play at their best, and I know that they could have put up more of a resistance than this Toronto team is currently putting up. I just I just feel like this team did not achieve what they should have achieved, and maybe that's more justification for firing Whitman. But, you know, I'm, the combination of not knowing what's going to happen next year and watching how they grossly underachieved this year has me feeling depressed. I mean, I haven't typed a damn thing since the season ended, and I don't see that streak ending anytime soon. So I just need something good to happen. I was hoping it came by way of a top three pick, but I mean, just maybe a a free agent who we don't expect, not named Ryan Anderson. That doesn't really get me in, you know, doesn't get me excited. But somebody coming here, like in the ilk of Paul Pierce, somebody who. You didn't know was thinking of DC, but indeed is, and comes here. Need something good to happen because right now I'm I'm just I'm stuck in the throes of mediocrity right now. Well, uh, Marchant Gortat has broken out his uh, jet skis, uh, and, and he had dinner with dinner with uh, Scott Brooks, and 
and Garrett Temple will be going to Poland with him uh, next month for his trip. So that, that, that's that's the that's my updates of the team so far. Right, that's that's heartwarming. <laughs> All right, yes, uh, we will be back. Well, thank you everyone for listening to us Rams way on this team. It's been it's been a while, but uh, I know you, I know everyone uh, listening to this. Miss me and Rashad. Uh, I believe, and you also will probably concur, Ernie and Ted deserve all that score that we gave them. Because who else is going to give it to them? Anyway, everyone, thanks for your support. And as always, go Wiz and stop raining in D.C. Peace out.